Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Travis. This is Narabeen Baptist Church. Hopefully, you're all in the right place today. Amen. Three of you are. Excellent. Uh, we're going to uh, continue our sermon series about um, looking at our values, who we feel God is calling us to be as a church, and what we want to focus on. And today, uh, the focus is around this idea that the church, our gatherings, we want uh, to be participatory, where everyone feels valued and involved. So that's what we're going to talk about today, but first I'm going to start us off with a word of prayer. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can gather uh, together around your word as your family, sons and daughters who have been adopted by the king. We pray that you would speak, that we would be encouraged and challenged as we wrestle with what you have to say to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, If you have uh, Acts chapter 16 open, that will be helpful. Acts chapter 16. Uh, In Acts 16, we find a story of Paul and his missionary partner Silas uh, in prison. They've been placed there for telling people about Jesus and demonstrating Jesus' power in astounding ways, uh, which threw the city in an uproar. They didn't know quite what to do with these people, so uh, they just tried to get rid of them by throwing them in a dank, dark cell to rot. Uh, And their story picks up in Acts 16, starting verse 22. This is also going to appear on the screen in very small print uh, for you farsighted people, uh, I think. So there you go. Okay, it goes like this. After Paul and Silas had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw that the prison doors opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, "'Don't harm yourself! We are all here!' The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his household were uh, all baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. This man's story, this jailer's story here, is quite breathtaking. And in a matter of minutes, he goes from attempting suicide to his entire family coming into the knowledge of Jesus. I can imagine, uh, decades down the road... um, being one of this man's children and sort of him explaining to his children how this all came to be, right? Picture the scene. You're the jailer's son sitting around the dinner table with his small children, and they ask him, Dad, why is it that we pray to Jesus every night? Why is it that we believe in him? And the jailer's son, with a smile on his face, proceeds to tell this story. He says, well, kids, it goes like this. Pop, pop, grandpa. My dad was working one day. Uh, He was ordered to guard the worst prisoners, the vilest offenders. And he had one job. 
just to make sure that they didn't escape. The trouble was, though, that you know Pop-Pop. He has has a hard time staying up late at night, and he did what he always does. He, He fell asleep. But then a great loud crash startled him awake, and he got his torch, and he looked around, and the doors had all popped off, and the chains had fallen off. He knew that he had failed in his one job. And the Roman government isn't a very forgiving boss to have. So Pop-Pop knew that he was a dead man. So he picked up a sword to end it all before his batty bosses could get to him. But then he heard this voice speak through the darkness. Stop, the voice said. Pop-Pop looked around and he saw some men. Men he knew who had been with Jesus. And in that moment, Pop-Pop didn't quite know what to do. The prisoners could still escape. He could still be punished and killed. And he fell down in desperation and he begged, How can I be saved? How can I be rescued? What hope do I have to get out of this mess that I found myself in? One of these men reached down his hand and picked him up. And then they came to our house. And Pop-Pop woke us up in the middle of the night as we listened to these men talk about Jesus, that Jesus saves. One of those men, his name was Paul, held my hand, and he smiled at me, and he told me it was all going to be all right. He told me that Jesus not only loves Pop-Pop, but me and my brothers and sisters and mom as well. We ate, we laughed, we played games together. I looked and I saw how these men loved my dad, the very man who had chained them up to the wall in the first place. And by the end of the day, we all knew because these men loved us that Jesus was real. And our whole family believed. And tonight, we sit around this table, decades later, sharing a meal, just like we did with those men back then. We eat, we laugh, and we are thankful because we know Jesus is real. He saves. He rescues us in our time of need. And we share this good news with you so that you could share it with your kids And they could share it with theirs. We get a glimpse of, in Acts 16, of something that God does. Uh, As Leon shared earlier, God is into the business of saving people, of individuals, of you and of me. But he does more than that. God rescues yous, or y'all, y'all, if you're from the South in America. He rescues us as a people, families, uh, communities of people. Young and old, kids and parents and grandparents. And throughout the Bible, we see this pattern on display. That no matter who you are, what you've done, what age or stage of life you find yourself in, you are family because of what Jesus has done for you. And we are encouraged to share this good news with everyone. Uh, Our kids, our grandkids, siblings, parents, grandparents, aunties, uncles, cousins, second cousins, twice removed, in-laws, outlaws, everyone that we know... We're called to share this with. But we're not only just supposed to do this with our own immediate family, but the rest of our family, our our church family. Those people we find ourselves gathering with on Sundays, or in homes throughout the week, or in cafes or shopping malls, that across biological ties and across age demographics, we should walk alongside others, encouraging others, um, learning from one another the good news of Jesus. You see this mentioned in Psalm 78 that B and Carolyn read for us earlier, that the author says, we are going to talk about the power and works of wonder of the Lord from one generation to the next. 
And all of us are involved in that process. This story that we've received from our ancestors, we're going to pass down to our children, and they're going to pass down to their children, so that they will put their trust in God, keep His commands, and not forget His deeds. And that sounds really awesome when you think about it, right? One generation speaking into the next, who speaks into the next, that we're all involved and we're all on this journey encouraging one another together. It sounds really amazing. But if we're honest, how, how often do we actually see this happen? How, actu- how often do we actually do this ourselves? How often do we look to participate in worship, building one another up, growing in our relationships with one another, sharing our faith with other generations? Uh, as Daniel said last week, it's really easy to view church as a building that we come to once a week in which I am just an audience member. And I come here to get filled up only for me to go back out into my own individual life and work uh, only to come back again. But I'm just sort of on my own. But this biblical picture that we have, Psalm 78 shares, of sharing life together, young and old, knowing and encouraging one another, of each person contributing and viewing church as a family rather than a building, is that really even possible? Is it? Can we actually do that? Well, I really love a good story, and uh, I thought we'd spend the next few minutes hearing some stories of what it looks like to do that, of how that's been done here to be an intergenerational and participatory church, a gathering of randoms, of random people who have actually see themselves as family, who care for and walk alongside one another, young people giving wisdom to grandparents, kids encouraging adults, and vice versa. So I'm going to invite uh, my friends Alicia, Robin, and Mauro to come on up, and uh, they're gonna, I'm going to ask them a few questions about how they've done this um, amongst themselves. So can you welcome them as they come up? I'll just give one of these to each of you and hope they all work. Um, I'll ask you guys a few questions and just release you to talk. Um, How did you guys meet and get to know each other? How is it that you've experienced Jesus with one another? And then how are you showing Jesus to others? Go. (laughs) Um, Well, about six and a half years ago, I moved over from New Zealand, and um, I really felt God was calling me to put him back at the center of my life, Um, and I don't come from a Christian family, so I was really searching for, um, like, mentors, and um, God provided me these lovely ladies, Um, and it's quite a cool story how that happened. So I got a job, I was praying for a job, with a Christian employer, and I got a Christian boss, and then he connected me with Maro, and said, I think you'll really like this lady, and you might like to go to church with her, because he knew I was looking to go to church, Um, so I met her, and then she um, invited me to church, and introduced me to Robin, and these two have got alongside me for the last almost five years, we did a Bible study for every day, uh, every week for three years, um, and they've just helped answer all my questions and shown me God's love by role modeling Jesus. And I feel like I can share anything with them. I can share my my failures, my sins, my hopes, and they can pray with me. And through our connection, we've been able to 
pray for more um, Christian girls to join us. And we've had about seven come into the picture over the last five years from different churches. So it's really beautiful. And now we have um, um, like social event once a month and we have a prayer um, line on WhatsApp. So, yeah, we're all very close. Yeah. I met Lalisha, as she said, through her... Hold it close. Uh, through her dentist, who, we, again, we weren't sure that he was a Christian at the time. So, again, Lisha, um, I met her through the dentist. And then, at the same time, my dentist has a daughter, pretty much the same age as Alicia, and I've been praying for her for years. So, years later, Alicia had met Justine and brought just Justine along. In the meantime, Justine brought another friend. So, it grew and grew and grew. So, what the girls are to us are daughters in Christ. We just love them. And it's not one-sided. They help us and we help them grow. So it's just the most amazing relationship and we love them dearly. Unfortunately, a lot of them couldn't be here today. So thank you. Um, <clears throat> where I came into the picture, I suppose, Mauro introduced me to Alicia and I love getting together and studying the Bible. I think the Bible is our foundation and it what ma- it's what makes us grow. So we decided to get together once a week and so for three years, just the three of us got together um, and read the Bible. Every, every week we read the Bible, we prayed, sometimes we cried, sometimes we um, just encouraged each other, sometimes uh, we um, talked about our problems, we shared our problems but I guess the thing is that we were real and I think that we, doesn't matter how old you are, we still all have the same struggles in Christ and that's what made us close and one. Um, and the other girls started coming and it just grew, as Mara said. But Mara has the amazing gift of hospitality, which made this all possible. She opened her home to us all and each one of those girls felt that it was a safe place to come, to share, to grow, and they felt loved. And uh, everyone who walks in Mara's house feels loved. Um, so that was a huge part of it. And the other thing for me is I might have taught them the Bible, but I learned as I taught them. And um, I saw them all grow. And I have daughters that don't want to hear it from me. But suddenly I had all these daughters who just couldn't get enough. And um, it was wonderful. And I hung on every word I said. And they listened and they did it. Um, so for me, it was a, an amazing journey. And Alicia says, we have done so much for her. She has done so much for us. And that's how we see it. So it's been amazing. How have you guys... Uh, so you've had this amazing relationship of different generations coming together, investing in one another. And as Maro and Robin, you both sh- shared, these are your daughters, um, but they're, you're like moms to them. And... Uh, it's been this reciprocal relationship of yeah. you guys sharing and investing and learning from one another. How have you guys then taken that uh, out to the, the rest of the church? Like, how, how have you guys, who, who are the people that you are investing in and continuing to invest in? Um, well, for me, I have, I've joined Kids Arvo. I love to, um, I love kids. And Kieran put an ad in the news sheet saying they wanted someone old. So I thought, <laughs> oh, that's me. <laughs> um, so I'm doing Kids Arvo. Uh, go to Bible study once a week with the older, some of the older ladies. And I was going to ask you after church, um, Travis, 
I, what I miss in this church is when I first became a Christian, and um, Jenny Wells is sitting here, she will remember, our Bible study group 40 years ago ranged from 16 years old to 80. I've always known that. I've always been a part of that. And I'd love to be a part of a group that's all ages. This, we had that in our group because we are all one. We, are all, we all have the same struggles. We are all... Um, yeah, attacked by Satan in, the same, in different ways that we share and then we become strong because we become aware of that as we share. But if we're just shallow, talk about the weather, well, we can do that anywhere. Mm. Um, but we need to be strength, strengthening, encouraging and building each other up as we've, as we've been talking about um, in the last few weeks here. Um, so for me, I do come to church and say, Lord, who do you want me to speak to today? Who can I encourage? So that's how I do it. And that might, that might be someone young, that might be someone old, that might be someone who's new, whatever. Mm. So to me, it's a daily thing of, Lord, where can I serve? What can I do? Mm. Who do you want me to speak to? And that might, they can be anywhere in their life. They can be a new Christian, old Christian, whatever. Awesome. Um, for me, I'm involved um, in Sunday school and I've been involved in summer kids um, and I really love getting involved with the kids here at church because, um, yeah, if I can be any kind of a mentor like these guys have been to me to the younger ones, then the, the pattern repeats. So, um, yeah, it's been wonderful to get to connect with more people in church as well since coming here um, of all ages. Awesome. For me, I'll just quickly share. Um, for me, um, my gift is hospitality, as you know. But my way of reaching out and, you know, sharing God's love is through parents at my kindy. Um, a lot of them aren't Christians. So showing God's love that way and telling them about us and just, yeah, just being there and showing love is, you know, it's ambition filled out there, you know. So mm. I've got to just look, look. <laughs> awesome. Can we say thanks to these ladies for sharing with us? Amazing. It's quite an amazing picture when you think about it of um, people from different generations coming and sharing life who really are just random, right? I mean, even looking at their connection of, I have a boss who's a dentist, and he referred me to this other person who knows someone who invited me to church, and then it just goes on and on and on, right? This relationship where, and then through their uh, friendship that they've developed, they've invested in one another and learned from one another and grown uh, in their love for Jesus, and then that motivates them to do that even more with other people, with younger people and older people and families, and it's this awesome cycle that happens. A few years ago, um, a massive study was undertaken in hundreds of churches across the U.S., Uh, The purpose of this study was to determine what elements contributed to kids and teenagers sticking with their faith after they graduated from high school. Uh, In most churches worldwide, this is a common problem of uh, kids in their late teens and 20s dropping out of church altogether. Um, And so in this survey that followed thousands of teenagers in 500 different churches, um, a study identified eight elements that created what they call sticky faith, faith that will last. Uh, And in her book about these findings, author Kara Powell writes this. She says, Our research team had hoped to find the one thing that youth workers could do that would be the silver bullet of having a sticky faith. 
We were searching for that one element of youth ministry programming uh, that was significantly related to higher faith maturity, standing head and shoulders above the rest. She then goes on to say that even though there was no one determinative thing, she goes on to say, our closest research... Uh, The closest our research has come to that definitive silver bullet is this sticky finding. High school and university students who experience more intergenerational worship and relationships tend to have higher faith maturity. In other words, the best strategy for a faith that sticks is to not shoo away uh, that child at deck time, uh, but to get down on your knee and say, uh, welcome that child who's eating your party pie and say, hello, I'm so-and-so, what's your name? This idea that when we gather, each of us sees values in the others, each of us wants to learn from each other, to learn names, to be prayerful, to give of ourselves, leads to a sticky faith in all of us. That when one generation is doing that for the other, it leads to this, this faith that lasts And each of us has something to contribute to one another. Singles to married people, um, kids to grandparents, teens to children, widowers to newly married. So what would that look like then? I mean, if this is a a biblical thing of one generation sharing to the next and how uh, by doing this we're encouraging one another and we're able to grow more like Christ when we... When we share and we all see ourselves as valuable and contributing to the church, how do, we, how do we then do that? How do we live this out as a church community? Well, three thoughts um, to end. Well, four thoughts, really. Three, which I'll tell you about. Uh, number one, these are going to appear on the screen. How can we be an intergenerational and participatory church? First thing first, everyone can venture across the room. It's simple, right? Uh, I'm not saying that what you all need to do Going, from, uh, going out from this Sunday is that all of you need to sign up to be a kids' church teacher or an NBC youth leader or some other ministry, even though maybe this, that is what the Spirit is telling you to do today. Maybe. I don't know. But um, if we want to be a church where every person feels cared for and loved, it simply starts by walking across the room. It's something all of us can do. Getting up and turning around and seeing someone that we don't normally see and saying, hey... Who are you? I'd love to get to know you. In the little New Testament book of Jude, the author uh, ends with this warning to his church community. This will appear on the screen. He says in Jude 17 verses, uh, sorry, Jude 17 to 19, says, But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you. Who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. Jude is saying here that there will be people who mock and judge and tempt and try to divide the church. There's an enemy who uses other people to prevent followers of Jesus from remaining in him. But then Jude gives the church the remedy to this problem. In verses 20 to 21, he goes on to say this But you, dear friends, By building one another up in your most holy faith and praying for one another in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. In other words, the remedy to division and people walking away from the church and from Jesus is how we, a bunch of randoms, can walk across the room to spend time building one another up, 
praying for one another, encouraging for one, one another, greeting one another. And we should all be doing this each and every week with one another. And who we choose to welcome, laugh with, pray with should not be limited to the people that we already know and like uh, or the people that we sit next to because we sit in the same seats when we gather here, don't we, most of the time. Um, and not just people in our own age demographic. And maybe today, a simple thing for you to do is to walk across the room and find a kid or a teenager and say, my name is such and such, and I'm really glad you're here, and see what happens. It's something all of us can do. Secondly, um, how, do we, how do we function as an intergenerational and participatory church? Uh, learn from others who are of a different generation than you. I really, really, really love this example from Psalm 71. It's going to appear on the screen. The author says, My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long, though I know not how to relate them all. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. When I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. This person is saying that their greatest desire is to share their knowledge, experience, and love of God with others, even if they don't know how to do this properly. Right? I don't know how to relate this all, but I can't keep it to myself. This love I feel from God is so incredible, I have to impress it upon others from other to the next generation. Um, throughout um, the last 10 years, I've now been here 10 years, which is pretty exciting. Uh, and in that time, uh, I've regularly met up with a man named Jim Thorpe, who's sitting at the back of the room. He's a lovely man. Now, Jim is about a little less than 50 years older than me conservatively speaking. I think he's around there. But, uh, and Jim is someone who I know has seen more joy and heartache than I ever have. Um, and he loves Jesus with this deep, deep love. And I really want to know his secret. I, I do. And so uh, to learn uh, wisdom in what following Jesus looks like through the ups and downs of life, through health and age and parenting and grandparenting and feast and famine. And so for the last... I don't know, 10 years since I've been here, every once in a while, I'll go over to his house, we have tea together, we talk about stories, we catch up, I ask lots of questions, and I walk away just feeling super encouraged, and I'm filled with wisdom um, of this incredible man who's seen it all and done it all and loves Jesus through and through. It's been so awesome for me. But I also hope that maybe some of the reason why he still puts up with me, just maybe, is that maybe he might even learn something from me. I don't know. You can, you can tell people otherwise. But maybe not. But my hope is that maybe he does. It's one of the best things I've ever decided to do. And I think when we are able to do that, there, there's plenty of people in this church, plenty of people that we can hang out with and learn something from, of different generations to us. We just heard this amazing story of these wonderful ladies who are doing this with one another. And we can do that as well. To find someone that you can invest in and be invested in. It'll be incredibly rewarding. Third, worship as one family. Worship as one family. Now that sounds like, isn't that something that we do? 
Uh, There's no example in the Bible of having separate ministries or services based on age. Uh, You don't find the adults gathering in one space to worship Jesus while the kids are dropped off down the road somewhere before they even gather and sing together or do anything in a different place before worshiping Jesus can really begin. You don't find older people having a separate gathering so they could sing older songs and listen to longer sermons in a well-lit room and younger people elsewhere singing newer and louder songs with shorter sermons in a darker and moodier room. It doesn't happen. It's not in the Bible. Nor can you find one person running everything while everyone just sits and has no say in what's taking place. Psalms uh, 148 uh, says this. This is really great. This is going to come on the screen says, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on the earth, young men and women, old men and children, all of you in every demographic, let them praise the name of the Lord together. For his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the heavens and the earth. We get this picture throughout the Bible that we are one family called together to worship and live out our faith with one another. That we all have Uh, a part in this and this is why we want to strive in our services and our community groups and gatherings to accommodate everyone to give space to kids to engage with youth and young adults families to make sure that older people are cared for and considered and respected and we hope that there is something as each time we gather that there's something for everyone and if there isn't we hope that that's something that you can make known to us but also that you can still find yourself enjoying worship, worshiping Jesus in ways and at times that might challenge you. And we think maybe that could be actually a good thing. We want you to think well about how we, uh, we want to think well about how we engage with everyone and how we get everyone involved. And if you'd like to be part of one of our service teams, of how we uh, think about how we gather and how we worship and do that, we'd love uh, to have that conversation with you. You can find me or Kieran or Leon, and we'd love to chat with you more about that. I have, there's one more point of application, and I'm going to let Leon do the talking for that one. And so I'm going to flick over to him, and uh, then we'll worship together. It's actually a beautiful picture of the body of Christ each part entangled and doing its work. My task now is to talk to you about a a way of responding, um, which relates to the cards that you would have received as you came in uh, this morning. You'll be aware that over the last uh, few weeks, we've been talking about a a range of different reforms, um, some of which have to do with the timing of the service and uh, the consolidation to having one morning service and one PM service. Um, that's scheduled to take place on the 1st of September. That's only two weeks away. And, of course, that's the one that kind of hits our ear uh, first, but it actually reflects a whole range of reforms that over several months we've been talking about and enacting in different ways to do with the ways that we're structured as a leadership, uh, the way we think about our uh, intentionally we're putting together our services and how we welcome people, how we do care in the life of our church. Uh, And part of it is about the involvement of the whole of the church. It's why this month has been dedicated to thinking about what it is to be the church collectively. And some of those thoughts have been shared uh, progressively over the last uh, few weeks. This morning we wanted to think around that idea about the part that we all play, participating together, and the things that we might be able to do in serving uh, one another. And so uh, a little card has been produced that gives you an opportunity to respond. Now we recognise a lot of people are serving already. 
But we want you to think about ways that maybe God is leading you to uh, be involved and engaged in this next phase as Narrabeen moves to uh, having change of service times and leadership structures and the rest. And so this card gives you that opportunity to respond and we'd love you to take time this morning even to think about that, um, of different areas where you might uh, be involved in different areas in the life of the church because at the heart of all of this is a recognition that it isn't just a few uh, remember, we've talked about the, the us-ness of the church. Um, in fact, Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 makes it really clear that, the, that, that God has equipped the church with a number of resources. Uh, he says that the church has been given um, apostles and prophets, evangelists and pastors and teachers, all with a purpose that they might equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. Daniel had us thinking about that idea of being built up last week. Paul is saying that happens when each part does its work, um, that all of us are being equipped for works of service. And we're just asking the question, do you know what that is? Or are there ways that we might be able to take all of the different components that God has brought together in this place? And so we want to ask you to fill that out and then we will get in touch with you in coming weeks. It will also be super helpful uh, because we want to make sure that we've updated our database as best we can and so we're just asking people if they could update their name and phone number and email as well as an indication if you've got a sense of where God is leading you in terms of worship service that you'll be attending uh, from September 1st onwards. Um, One person at nine o'clock said best way they found to fill out a card like this is just to cross out the things they can't do and then to see what happens. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. So, um, um, but however God leads, uh, we're going to close our time now in prayer and come to God uh, and uh, and sing together, thinking again of his incredible grace to us and what it is for us to think about the gift that we bring in response. Uh, And we might collect up those cards here or as you go out into the foyer, there's a box where you can drop the cards as uh, as you move out into the rest of this week. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you have called us to love and serve one another. We thank you for the encouragement that it's been this morning to hear stories of how you have used others in the lives of others. And Lord, all of us can reflect on that. People that took time and opened your word and read it with us, cared for us, perhaps fed us, listened and served in various ways, in some ways may have seemed inconsequential, but they had lasting impact. Lord, each of us has a part to play in this body. And so, Lord, would you give us the capacity to recognise that and the joy of what it is to be um, yeah, those that give as well as receive as part of your body of, the body of Christ in this place. And so we thank you, Lord, and pray that you might guide us and use us And that we might do it, again, as an overflow of our hearts, recognising the incredible, in fact, the amazing grace that you have given to us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.